0: talking about lust and sex today. And here's the reality. Uh, I am not going to be able to fully exhaust this topic in 30 minutes today. Okay. So just reset your expectations. All right. But here's the beauty of the local church is that we don't get just today. We get the next several years together. Amen. We get to lock arms together and live life with one another and, and have more sermons about sex and relationships. Like we're going to have this fall and we do a series called Lies About Love and, and other times in our community groups when, when those kind of topics or issues are, are hitting us in the face every single day from our culture and we get to be in God's church and, and lean on one another and pray for healing for one another. And support one another in our marriages and in all of our relationships. And and that is the beauty of the local church. Amen? And so that's the opportunity before us. That's what membership class is really all about. But hey, we do need to pray uh, as we jump into a heavy topic. So would you pray with me? Uh, Father, right now, I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would remove distractions. God, that you would fix our eyes upon Jesus. God, I know with a topic like lust and like sex, so many of us in here, we bring in just different backgrounds and different feelings and emotions, even when we just say those words. And God, right now, I just pray by your spirit, just a a sense of freedom in this place, not shame, that's available to us by Jesus Christ, that we would see a redemptive living hope in Jesus, in the area of sexual relationships and lust. And God, only you can do that. I can't do that. So right now, I pray just by the power of your spirit, you would would speak. You would rescue us from simply attending another religious service. You would speak to us. You would show us the way forward that glorifies you and brings us good. And God, only you can do that. So we ask right now for you to do that. In Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said, amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and grab a Bible. Proverbs chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. There should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you if you do not have one. If you're new to the Bible, we love it that you are here. Uh, Just open about to the middle of your Bible. You'll see the book of Proverbs. Head to chapter 5. We are in week 3 of a series entitled Wisdom in This World. And we're talking about these different issues in our world, like in your real world world, and how do we navigate them wisely? How do we navigate them according to a path of, of life, not a path of folly and of death? And so last week, we talked about this really relevant topic of, of anger, and you can go back and watch that on YouTube, and I think it'll be helpful for you. But today, we are talking about purity in a world of, of lust, We're talking about lust and and sex, and and I know all of you woke up this morning just hoping we talk about this in church today, right? I mean, you're just like, oh, please, Jesus, can we talk about lust and sex in church? And and here's the reality. I I know many of us, we actually don't feel that way, right? Uh, But at the same time, God seems really comfortable talking about lust and sex, I mean, just in the book of Proverbs alone, out of the first seven chapters, the first four chapters addressed lust and sex. If we did a series on the book of Proverbs and I did not talk about lust or sex, I would be unfaithful to the text because God's comfortable with talking about it. We may want to hide it or avoid it awkwardly, but God doesn't. Our culture is comfortable talking about lust and sex Every song, every show, every website, every app are talking about lust and sex. Every school is talking about lust and sex. Parents, you just need to know that you're like, if your teen is in here this morning, you're like, oh my gosh, they're gonna hear some things they've never heard before. Uh uh-uh. uh. They've heard way more than what I'm gonna share. And they've heard all the distortions. And so, who's gonna give them the design? if it's not the people of God with the word of God empowered by the spirit of God. So we got to talk about sex, but listen, we, had a, we have to do a better job as the church talking about sex. See, I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up hearing a, a message of sex that basically went like this, that, that sex is this gross, perverse, horrible thing, and you should save it for the one you really love. And I remember just growing up thinking like, that. I don't know, something's off there. I think there's a more robust version of sex than that. I think the Bible speaks to that. And so we have to do a better job talking about about sex. And so I'm gonna try my best to do that today. Let me me introduce it this way. Uh, When we moved to to the desert nine years ago as a family, I made a serious, uh, significant commitment to my wife. It's that we would have a home with grass. It's that we would have a, a yard, even in the desert, right? And by God's grace, I think we have a picture of it. Yeah, we, we got grass and we got a dog, a golden retriever. His name's Lincoln. And we just love, we love that we have grass. Like I always just want, like we have a swing in the front yard. I love that my kids can play, my, my, my dog can play. And uh, we just love having grass. And, and Phoenix, it's, it's beautiful, even though it's kind of hard to maintain, and it's hard to maintain, and so much, it's because of weeds. And I don't know if you have weeds. I think we have a picture of that too. But in my house, I have these alien, demonic weeds. Okay, I mean, they just like start taking over the yard. They get all entangled. It's like a, a web of, of, of hate attacking my yard. And, and as much as I try to get rid of them, I mean, they just keep coming back. And I had this dream. I made this commitment to my wife for a lush, beautiful yard, and yet what I got is, is weeds. And I think many of you have experienced that. Some of you got weeds in your yard. It's a safe place in church, okay? And so some of y'all just gave up and you got rocks. And, and you just said, hey, man, it's too hard. It's a desert. I'm trying, to stop trying to grow grass. I'm just, put zero scape, right? We gave it a name that sounds like elegant, but it's rocks, people. And I think here's why I give you that. I think that's many of us, that's our journey with sex. Like at one point you thought, man, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be satisfying. And maybe you've had seasons of your life and your marriage where that has been the case. And yet so many times weeds just start popping up and it's painful and it's shameful And some of you have gotten to the point where you just said, hey, it's not worth it. Why even try? And some of us, we've gone down that path of of folly and we've just said, hey, I'm gonna give myself over to sex and just any instinct, any desire that I have, I'm just gonna give myself over to it. Doesn't God want me to be happy? I'm gonna have these desires. He built me like this. He knows my anatomy. I'm just gonna run full-fledged into sex and the way I want to. And then some of us, we gave up in a different way. We just said, hey, sex is gross, and I'm just not going to talk about it. And, Tim, you're making me uncomfortable that you keep even saying that word, and and I'm just not going to go near it. And you need to know this morning, neither one of those is God's idea or plan for your life with sex. He has something better. Sex is not a God, but it's also not gross. It is a gift, that can bring glory to him and good to you in the confines of marriage between a man and a woman. And so I, I, want, I don't know where you are with this topic today, but I want you to see there is freedom. There is delight available to you with sex. No matter what's been done to you, no matter what you have done, it is available to you in Jesus Christ, okay? So that's what we're gonna see. Everybody excited? <laughs> All right, <laughs> good here, pin drop for a second there. Proverbs 5, let's read it together. We're going to read the whole thing as we typically do to see fully what God's giving us here, and then we will break it down. Proverbs 5, starting in verse 1, it says this, My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, "'Sharp as a two-edged sword. "'Her feet go down to death. "'Her steps follow the path to Sheol. "'She does not ponder the path of life, her ways wander and she does not know it. And now, oh sons, listen to me and do not b- depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. At the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised Reproof! I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Amen. A lovely deer a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. He sees it all and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly, he is led astray. If you take notes, here's our first point. It's the devastating deceit of lust. The devastating deceit of lust. Uh, this is Solomon talking to his son and really all of us about the dangers of adultery. But we know from, from Jesus in our New Testament in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, that that, that adultery is not just uh, having an affair or cheating on your spouse. Jesus is going to say, he's going to up the ante and say, it's actually, if you've lusted in your heart, that's adultery. And so Solomon's going to kind of get at that, this whole concept of lust. Here's a definition of lust for you. It's the objectification of another person for your own pleasure. That could be a real person. It could be someone on a screen, someone in a book, someone uh, singing a song, whatever the case may be. For you, that's that's lust. The New Testament, it's going to call it sexual immorality. It stems from this Greek word called porneia. And it's this junk drawer term to include everything outside of, of sex between a man and a woman in marriage. So here's just a few examples. Things like adultery, things like pornography, things like emotional affairs, things like casual sex, perverse talk, premarital sex, homosexuality, and lustful fantasy. Everybody take a breath. That's a lot, right? But that that's what the Bible speaks to, Old Testament and New Testament. And and some of you here are are thinking, maybe you came on Easter and you're kind of new to church and new to Christianity. And we've been talking a lot about grace and love and life here. And you're like, man, this sounds great. But then we just started talking about and naming all these sexual sins. And you're like, okay, Tim, here we go. I knew it. Bait and switch. I mean, typical repressive Christianity, like sex is bad, ignore my desires. Like this is what I grew up hearing in the church, Tim. Like I, I want nothing to do with this. And what I would say to you is that, that it couldn't be more the opposite. That sex is one of those things that, that I'm just burdened for as a pastor to talk about in church because I believe it's one of the greatest misunderstandings, culture, maybe even you have, about the church, about God, about Christianity. You see, God is not anti sex. Listen to me. God loves sex. And God loves you. And He, I don't know, this is crazy, He designed sex, not the devil. Like God showed up at the very beginning and He he creates man and woman and He puts them in a garden naked. Do you think He knew what was going to happen? Yes, it's not just that he suggested what would happen. He commanded, hey, eat of these uh, good trees and be fruitful and multiply. That's some of the first commandments we ever have in scripture is have sex. Listen, God created the, the male body and the female body and he knows what happens when they interact with one another. And he's all about it. He wanted it to happen. Like God loves sex. See, we we have to reorient our minds. And and it would be like this. I think this may help some of you. It would be like if I were to say, you know, I hate drunk driving. And some of you were to come along and say, well, Tim, what do you got against cars? And I'd say, oh, no, no, no. Don't misunderstand. Like, I love cars so much. I hate the misuse of them. It would be like if if I said, you know, I hate child abuse. And some of you would say, Tim, what do you got against kids? I mean, they're so cute and sweet. Don't you have a few kids of your own? What do you got against kids? And I would say no oh, no 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 no. I love kids so much that I hate it when they are abused. God loves sex. God loves you so much that he hates the distortion of it. Anything that robs of the design of it. That's what God hates. And so we have to get our mind right as we look at Scripture, as we talk about this this subject of sex and talk about it in a way that God designed it. Not the way our culture has distorted it, where so many of us, we just avoid it like the plague. No, the distortion is there. We need to push back the distortion while talking about the design. That's what God wants for us. That's what we see in the book of of Proverbs. And yet, in the book of Proverbs, it's going to point out the deception of lust that oftentimes robs us of the design of sex. Look at verses three and five with me. Three through five, we see this imagery of of lips dripping honey, of a smooth speech like oil. It's meant to present sexual sin as as sweet, as as easy, as a, a variety of a path to freedom and fulfillment. You just operate according to your instincts, that it's easy, it's sweet. And yet, it leads to Proverbs 5, 5, the death and the grave. Verse 9, it leads to a a loss of dignity. Verse 11, at the end of your life, you will groan. Your flesh and body will be consumed. Verse 14, it puts you at the brink of utter ruin. It's a, a deception that leads to a devastation. That's what lust is. That's why so many fall to it. You see, if we all just saw it as, as death, as a grave, as a loss of dignity, as putting us on the brink of utter ruin, well, then all of our marriages would be healthy. All of our our relationships would be be full and holy. Nobody would use each other. They would instead serve and love each other. And yet we live in a culture where our marriages are falling apart, where everybody is objectifying one another, where, where no one's loving and serving one another. We're all using each other. Why? It leads to death. Didn't they get the memo? Oh, no, it's it's deceptive. Oh, it seems sweet. It's like oil. It seems smooth. And yet, it leads to death. It's a devastating deceit. And many of us have have been there. Many of us are, are there right now. And you're thinking, just look straight ahead. Don't act like this affects you. And let me just break the ice today. It affects all of us. It affects all of us. Like if you came in here and you heard the word sex and lust, and immediately you felt impure and unclean and shameful because you think everybody else has this down but you. Man, we're talking about Proverbs chapter five, written, written in ancient times, predating Jesus over thousands of years ago. You're the 15th billion person who struggled with this. There's no shame in this place. Amen. We all are imperfect people, moved by the perfect love of Jesus. Get it straight. And so we have a brokenness to some level or another, and we're all in this together. And we have to talk about it and see the deceit because it is devastating us personally. It's devastating us emotionally. It's devastating us spiritually, spiritually. I don't know how many guys I talk to, gals too, but specifically guys, this is the number one blocker to their intimacy vertically with Jesus and to their impact horizontally in the world. You talk to them and say, hey, why don't you start serving? Hey, why don't you start leading in your family, in the church, whatever? Ah, I don't, you know, I'm not doing that well right now. I'm kind of struggling uh, with some things. We never say what it is. I'm kind of off, kind of dry season for me right now. And it just breaks my heart as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband, who who knows the hope that is available in the local church with Christians who, who know the gospel, who know the freedom they have in Christ, and know a world who's stuck in bondage, and we have the healing, and we have the solution, and yet so many of us are hindered and hampered by the secret sin of lust. And many times, if we, would just, if we would just bring it to the surface and realize we're not the only one, we're in this fight together, that, oh, you struggle with that. Oh, you too. That we could actually partner together and lock arms together redemptively for the glory of God and the good of our city and the good of our families if we would only believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet this deceit, man, is devastating. It's blocking our intimacy. It's blocking our impact. And so Solomon wants to point that out today. God wants to point that, that out today to you and to me and to every single person in this, this room. Now here's the reality is you actually don't need me to yell at you about this. You don't even need Proverbs to preach this to you. Our culture preaches this to us every single day. A comedian, Chris Rock, is preaching this to us. I don't know if you paid attention to Chris Rock lately. It's okay if you haven't. But in the last several years, Chris Rock, this comedian, has gotten really honest about how, how, how lust and pornography ruined his marriage. And he talks specifically about how he was obsessed with the stranger with the other, whether it was on a screen or in real life. And he said, this obsession with the stranger actually ended up making his wife a stranger. And I think what's so interesting about that is he's just quoting the Bible. He's just quoting Proverbs 5.20. Listen to what it says in the message version. It says, trade enduring intimacies for cheap thrills. We often trade enduring intimacies for cheap thrills. See, our culture in its deceit will say to you, hey, you can have it all. You can have the the spouse at home. You can have the flirtation at work. You can have anybody on a screen. You can have it all. And what Chris Rock just told us and what Proverbs tells us, no, everything's a trade. If you go get this, you will lose this. If you go down a path of folly and death, you will lose life and wisdom. There's two paths only. You choose an option. You can't have it all. And listen, some of you need to hear this today. You are not the exception. Some of you think, no, Tim, I'm juggling all these plates. I'm doing it great. No, you're not. It's going to end in shale. It's going to end in death. And to some extent, right now on your insides, it is death. It is blocking your intimacy with your wife, with your, with your friends, with your church, with your God, with your community. Chris Rock said it, God said it first, <laughs> but he's repeating it. Tiger Woods, one of the best golfers of all time got wrapped up in promiscuity and adultery. It put him in a hole that he almost didn't get out of. And what's crazy to me is several years ago when that was all happening, it's all these people who weren't necessarily Christians were agreeing with God and the Bible. And they were looking at Tiger Woods saying, hey, something's not right, bro. I mean, that, that's not good. And even Tiger Woods is like, man, I need to get help. It is so interesting. Oh, I thought, I thought this sexual liberation was meant to free us. Oh, it leads to bondage. Well, I, think, I think God was saying that a few thousand years ago. Tiger Woods just figured it out. Our culture's just figuring it out with the Me Too movement. Oh, 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 pornography. Oh, it's not just harmless. Oh, it builds a culture that objectifies women or anybody of the opposite sex and it leads to sexual abuse and it leads to unfaithfulness in marriage. And unfaithfulness in marriage leads to divorce. And you know what? A kid that has two parents at home, I mean, that that helps them grow and fosters their development. And oh, now he's got two Christmases and, and this is not working out for us. And our culture is preaching to us the Bible. Which actually, just as a sidebar, it makes me wonder, what else would they agree with God about if they just took time to read the Bible? amen? You don't need me to preach this to you. You just need to look at the deception. Open your eyes. Read the Bible and read how the Bible is playing out before your very eyes and anchor in its truth. Listen, I, I know we all come in here with different backgrounds, I know there is some sexual sin that you've committed that's been committed against you and you need to know that God has a better design. God is not done with your story. God wants to redeem wherever you are with sex and give you life, hope and fulfillment in it. That's available to you. It's not just possible. It's accessible through Jesus Christ. And that's our second point. Some of you think, just point two, really? I only got two points, so everybody calm down. Here's our second point, the delightful design for sex. The delightful design for sex. God is so good. He doesn't leave us with the devastating deceit of lust. He gives us a delightful design for sex in marriage. We see it in Proverbs chapter five. Look at verse 15. He says, drink water from your cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Verse 18, let your fountain be blessed. And some of you may look at this and think, why is he all of a sudden talking about hydration? (laughs) He's not. (laughs) He's talking about sex. He gets more into it. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Now, just picture with me, you're reading that out loud in your room by yourself, and somebody walks into the room. Like, some of you are shutting your Bibles. Like, oh, hey, what are you reading? Breast intoxicating you, huh? Like, I promise it's the Bible. Like, this, it's in God's Word, Proverbs chapter 5. Like, see for yourself. Right? This is God's design for sex. His prescription for holiness and purity in sex isn't this. It's not... Hey, do not lust, do not lust, do not lust. Write that a hundred times on the whiteboard. That's not what he says. Even when he talks about sex, it's not just like, hey, it's for procreation. And it's your duty in marriage that you might, thou shalt. Is that what you read? I I think being intoxicated, that's a little bit different. There's some pleasure involved. Everybody relax, okay? (laughs) This is God, not me. I didn't say it. I'm just reading it. I'm just the mouthpiece. This is God's idea for sex. It's a delightful design that's available to you and me in marriage. It's a beautiful gift. Again, as we go back to the very beginning, we see Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman. We see God officiate the first marriage, and he puts them in a beautiful garden, naked and unashamed. Now, we typically focus on the naked part, guys, but it's also unashamed. It's this reality that's even bigger than the physical act of sex, that it's this place of vulnerability of being fully known and yet fully loved. It's this idea of security, of belonging, that someone else knows everything about you. They see all of you, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally. And they say, I want that. I love you. I wanna be in covenant with you. I'm signing up for that for the rest of my life. And listen, there are some examples. I know the culture won't won't tell you this. The blogs won't tell you this that are always taking down celebrity pastors. They won't tell these stories, but I will tell you, I know people that exist in life, in the church who have been married for a long time and they love each other and they're not perfect. But, but they're one, physically, sexually. They date each other. They get babysitters for their kids. Some of you are like, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Like, I know people like this. They exist. It's possible to have a redemptive experience with sex, to have a delightful design for sex. It's possible because of Jesus Christ. It's possible because there's not just a path of folly and death. There is a path of life and wisdom. It's possible. It's accessible to you. No matter what you've done, no matter what last night looked like, no matter what your past looked like, you have a future where this is, is possible. I love this quote from Kathy Keller. Uh, Kathy Keller is the wife of Tim Keller. They wrote a great book on marriage. And I just want you to keep in mind, this is a lady in her 70s. Listen to what she says about her own marriage and sex in her marriage. Maybe put on a seatbelt. Okay. We came to realize that orgasm is great, especially climaxing together. But the awe, the wonder, the safety, and the joy of just being one is stirring and stunning even without that. When we stopped trying to perform and just started trying to simply love one another in sex, things started to move ahead. We stopped worrying about what we were getting and we started to say, what can we do to just give something to the other? The lady in her 70s. I had more quotes, we just don't have time, from other people in their 70s. Like John Piper would make us blush. You read that and you think, like, what hip 20 year old wrote that? <laughs> no, these are seasoned vets in the faith who've been reading their Bible and, and practicing a, a delightful design for sex in their marriage. It's possible, it's accessible through Jesus. So the question we should be asking is how do we get there? Because many of us were stuck in the deceitful distortion, the devastation. How do we get to this delightful design? Here's just a few things I want to give you as we close. The first thing is we repent. We repent repent of lust, of adultery, of of casual sex, of perverse talk. We we repent of of fantasies and variety and and buying into the deceit. 1 John 1 says, if we do that, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. James 5 says, if we confess our sins to each other, you may be healed. I love this quote by Ray Ortland. He said it this way, we don't conquer our sins by heroic willpower. We confess our sins to death. Isn't that great? How do we find this delightful design for sex? First, we repent of the devastating deceit of it. We ask God for forgiveness. Listen to me. He sees it anyway. He knows it anyway. And he loves you anyway. Give it to him. Stop hiding it. Start repenting it. Start confessing it. There is grace. There's forgiveness. There's healing. Amen? Repent. Be quick to repent. Do it right away. Don't think, well, no, I, but I've done it so no, right away repent. The second thing is reach out. Reach out. This whole chapter, whole chapter five, four chapters in the first seven chapters of the book of Proverbs, it's Solomon talking to a son. He's saying, hey, let's air this out. Let's bring this to the surface. We could hide it. We could avoid it. Listen, I'm a dad who has a son and two girls. I want to hide it. I want to avoid it. But God says, no, 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 let's talk about it. I'm going to write some Proverbs. Everybody reads Proverbs. Proverbs. I mean, 31 chapters for a month. You can read one a day. Everybody reads Proverbs. And God's like, yeah, what do we want to talk about? Sex the most explicitly? Proverbs. We want to hide it. We want to avoid it. And God says, no, let's talk about it. Listen, as your lead pastor, you need to know this. I am absolutely 100% committed to lifting the shame off this topic. Because here's the reality. Everybody's struggling and nobody's talking How's that working out for us? How's that working out in marriages? How's that working out for our kids and our next generation? How's that working out for our churches? It's not. We need to reach out. We need to jump into a community group. We need to come down and talk to the prayer team. We need to get some resources. Listen, we have some for you at the Connect desk. An email is going out today. We need to reach out and realize we're not against one another in here. We're for one another. Reach out. Experience healing. And some of you have done that. Some of you have had the courage to step out and do that. And you're like, man, it's just like I brought it to the light and it just brought freedom and and healing and healing. And sin was growing in the dark and it was like a a hovering cloud over me all the time. But man, now I feel free. It's possible. If we really believe Jesus died for sin and shame, said it is finished, we should live, we should talk differently and start experiencing some healing in the church and our world. I'm committed to do that in my family. We talk about this with our kids. We have resources to do this with your kids. I'm committing for us to talk about it to one another to experience healing as God designed. The third thing is run, run. Many times what we do with lust is see how close we can get to it, but not do it. Listen, if if you're dating, here's what running looks like. It doesn't look like watching a movie till midnight on your couch with nobody else there. And then hoping maybe at the last second you can get up out of there. Listen, if you can get up out of there, like maybe you don't actually love her. Maybe you're not actually attracted because God designed like two people to get that close at midnight, to be talking to one another, loving one another, to have sex. You need to run before that happens. Don't put yourself in that spot. Some of you with your screen, with your device, you need to run. Here's what that looks like. Put some filters on your phone. Get Covenant Eyes. Put a filter on your router at home. We have both of those. And some of you are thinking, well, Tim, what are you, some kind of pervert? No, I'm trying to be wise. That anybody, anywhere, at the right time can fall. Walking in wisdom toward a path of life looks like running. Not thinking, oh, I'm the exception. I don't need this. I'm just, no, I'm going to put my phone beside my bed. Listen, that's like an alcoholic pouring a glass of scotch, getting it right to their lips and saying, I won't drink, I won't drink, I won't drink. You're set up to fail. So you got the World Wide Web and any image and any video at your your hand, at your bed, when you're tired, when you're lonely, get a charging station. Plug that thing up on the other side of the room. Run. Look at Joseph with Potiphar. She's coming at him, right? Lust is coming at him. If anybody should have given into that, it should have been Joseph, betrayed by his brothers into slavery, just living this terrible life. If anybody should have been like, "You know what? I deserve this. It's about time. I need something. I need to get mine." Is that what Joseph did? Did he also like did he have this big debate with her and think like, "Well, let's see how close we can get. Let's have fun with this thing." No, he ran. Naked in the streets rather than commit adultery and ruin his life. Run, run, run. You're not the exception, run. Here's the last thing, replace, replace. You know, with those demonic alien weeds I had in my yard. Here's the way we get rid of them every time. They often come back, which is like sex and lust. But here's the way we get rid of them. We don't just like mow them down and try to cover it up. No, it actually spreads them out. These stickers, the, anybody testify with me? These burr weeds that I have, you spread them out by covering them up. That'll preach. Sin grows in the dark. It's not enough. So no, I have to get out there on my hands and knees and have to diagnose where's the root in this thing and I have to get some gloves and I have to yank them out. It's hard and It hurts. But I have to pull them out. I have to pay a landscaper to come in and, hey, what kind of fertilizer do you have? What kind of treatment do you have? I I don't know what I'm doing in this. Can you help me? And then I have to plant new grass so it'll crowd out the weeds. This is God's design with with sex, with lust. You got to pull out the root. Hey, why do you turn to this? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Are you tired? hungry? What what is your moment of temptation? Uproot that. And don't just try to cover this yourself. You can't handle these weeds by yourself. Go get some help. Go pay a counselor. Go get in a community group. Go talk to a pastor. Say, hey, I need some help to navigate this. I can't do it by myself. There's insanity and isolation. And this is what the design for sex is. There's not just a running, there's a replacing. If you're married, date your spouse. Schedule sex. Tim, that that sounds boring. And you know what? You don't have kids, okay? That's just real life talking there, okay? Be intentional about it. Make it a practice in in your marriage. Pursue your spouse. If you're not married, pursue marriage. But not just that, like, well, hey, marriage is going to fix my lust. It's not going to. Just, first of all, you need to know that. But but pursue robust relationships with real-life people. Get to know them. Listen, like we talked about a few weeks ago. It's hard to listen. It'll take you a few times. Keep trying. Pick up a hobby. Like, start learning woodworking or or landscaping. You know, come help your pastor with his yard. (laughs) Not selfish at all, right? Like, replace. Don't just run. It's not, not just do, do not lust. Do not lose. No, replace it. God is so good. He's given you some things to replace it with in your life. And most importantly, replace it with Jesus. See, you need to know we, we hide a lot from Jesus with our lust. Man, He's the exact person we need to be going to because He has the healing and He has the, the true fulfillment. We see it in John 4. We see a perfect picture of this where Jesus, he could have avoided lust. He could have went around Samaria. He could have went around the well and the woman at the well. And yet he goes straight to the well and straight to the woman and straight to her five husbands. And the one she has now is not her husband. He goes straight to it. And yet he offers her in the midst of her broken cisterns. He offers her living water. And it changes her life. So much so, do you remember the rest of the story? She goes back to her hometown and she says, hey, you got to meet this Jesus. He told me everything I ever did. And some of you are thinking, okay, Tim, where's this get good? I don't like that. No, but but he told me everything I ever did and he loved me anyway. That's Jesus. That's who you replace your lust with. Single people, I'm not just saying, well, get married and it'll fix it. We say that too many times in church. You replace with Jesus Christ. You find your satisfaction in him. He died for your sexual sin. Some of you need to know that. Whatever you've done, whatever's been done to you, he knows everything you ever did. And he loves you anyway. Do you believe that? It's true your story with lust, it's not the end. Because of Jesus, he has a new beginning. He died on the cross. Do you know what he said? It is finished. Romans said he died once for all. He's not coming back to die again for what you did last night. He's not looking at that and saying, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Dang it. Guess not to come back. Die once again. No, he was crucified once for all. Everything you've ever done. Everything that's been done to you. There's freedom in his name. There's fulfillment in his name. Run to him. That's available. That's accessible to you today. Amen. God in heaven, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your beautiful design for sex. And God, I just confess that, man, we have not dealt with this topic well in the church And today is not going to fix it all. I know that, but I pray it's just a step. I pray it's a start of a conversation, not the end of one. I pray that just for a few people in here, at least today, the shame has been lifted and they know at least where to find freedom and true fulfillment and that they would know it's possible for them. God, right now, by the power of your spirit, supernaturally, I just, I pray that you would just remove any hint of Satan, his servants, his works, his effects in this place that would just be bringing guilt and shame right now. That instead, by the power of your spirit, in the name of Jesus, that you would bring freedom, that you would bring fulfillment, that you'd bring redemption through Jesus Christ. God, if we need prayer, We'd come down to the front and get it. And if we need resources, we'd ask. If we need community and help, we'd jump into a community group. God, and we'd celebrate that we have a living hope in Jesus Christ. That our story's not over. That you're not done. We believe that. Because we believe Jesus. And it's his name we pray. And everybody said, amen.